listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston again on uh, your series, Are You Listening? Welcome, David. Hi, Jason. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. Very well, thanks. It's uh, good to have you back here on uh, Thursday the 18th, and I'm I'm giving uh, the dates away here because um, not all of our programs are live at the moment, so just to... uh, um, just to let our listeners know that today's is a live program and uh, yes. it is the 18th of May, Thursday, Ooh. and uh, we do hope that you're listening in and you can um, connect with us today in some way. So, David, uh, you've been sharing a proverb each time we start our program and uh, I'm assuming you're going to have one for us today. Yes, I have, Jason. And, you know, the further I get into Proverbs, the more difficult it is to find a section that's that's uh, interesting to read because a lot of them are really short, sharp snippets, one verse, maybe two verses at the most. Mm. Um, it's interesting as you read through these wise sayings of, of Solomon how many are like that. So I found one today that I think is very relevant to what we're talking about. It's Proverbs chapter 10, 27 to 30. I'm going to read it and then I'll explain a little bit. Proverbs chapter 10, starting at verse 27, I'm reading from the New King James. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright. But destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inherit the earth. So you can see how each of these sayings of Solomon, and especially this section here, is encapsulated uh, within these sayings, is encapsulated the results and the differences of following God's way and his agreement, which we'll talk about later today. And not doing that or following our own ways and ideas. And the results are as stark as black and white, chalk and cheese, day and night, as you read through these. There's one side presented and then there's another side presented. One side results in peace and an eternity with God. And the other in these sections results in a very short three score and ten, if you like. Maybe a few more years than that, if you're fortunate. Mm. But then that's it. And it's saying, which would you prefer? Mm. Which would you prefer? Mm. And I I think it's fascinating as we read through these, you have these two sides presented to us, and we can choose either. And Solomon, in his wise sayings, as it were, presents one as this connection with God and everything that results from that. And that's what's outlined in each one of these verses I've read today. You know, there's... Hope and gladness, there's strength for the upright, there's never being removed. And then the opposite to that is a short life, expectations ending, and not inheriting the earth. 
and it's and it's really stark and as i look at it i think when we look at it in that starkness i find this is really really relevant as we think about it and solomon's just if you like sprouting his wisdom as we read it sometimes but when you think deeply about these verses you see that there's a a choice to be made either for God or against God. Mm. There are results that come from choosing either one of those options. So today we're going to look at a contract between God and mankind and why it's important that we remember it as long as we live. Mm. And David, um, you've uh, been covering this uh, various topics over um, the past, what are we in our 11th week this week? Um, yes. Or the eleventh program. I'm not sure if we've had Ooh. any breaks during that time, but I think we might no. have had one or two. But um, would you like to just give us a summary of where we've come from before we get into today's uh, discussion? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jason. So we're looking at uh, we looked at the validity of the Bible. We looked at the overview of its contents. We looked at who and what God is like. Uh, we also looked already at where evil came from. We looked at what God has done about that, and we're touching a little bit again on that today. We looked at the eternal solution, and we're touching on that a little bit today as well. But we also looked at what it looks like to be part of God's church, which is one side of this agreement we're talking about today. And last week we looked at how to join God's eternal kingdom. We looked at baptism. So today we're actually looking at what's next after that. You know, once we're part of God's kingdom, how do we stay part of God's kingdom, if you like? Mm. How do we? How do we? Um, we're looking at this contract between God and us. Mm. What that really means. What it really looks like. So, of course, um, all of those episodes. We've got ten uh, episodes on this series uh, on the Faith FM app and on the Faith FM website, and you can go back and listen to every one of those. Or just uh, also a reminder that all of our episodes go through to Apple Podcasts. So if you've got an Apple iPhone or an iPad, you can uh, download the uh, the Apple Podcast app and search for Tassie Encounters, and you can listen that way as well. So today, David, uh, contracts, um, you've given a, a bit of a brief intro to that, and we'll be talking more about that mm. after the break. But we've got a bit of a listener question today. Yeah, we have. We have. And the listener question kind of relates to the topic. So we're talking about contracts today. We're talking about uh, this contract or agreement between God and man, what it looks like, why we should remember it. And the question I wanted to ask in line with that topic today was, have you ever had to agree and sign a contract? This would probably relate to everyone who's listening so you either had to agree to something if you go to a new high school you have to either agree to something when you start a job they used to have what do they used to have workplace agreements Mm -hmm. Uh, we used to have to sign those now they have literally it's called a contract Mm. uh, between your your employer and yourself now i had one but my question is have you ever had one have you ever had to sign one and if so what was the punishment for breaking it we'll ask that question again in a moment so you can remember what it is Mm. for me uh, as an example i worked for a pharmacy once so this is after i left rio tinto big company i was studying at college as a mature student now i say that with tongue-in-cheek I was mature aged. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> My wife said when I was 40, 
I needed to grow up. I needed to become more mature. And I decided that wasn't to be the case. <laughs> and, and just just uh, reminding our listeners, uh, college is, uh, is university level education. That's what That's you're correct. referring to here. So. That's what I was yeah. referring to. Um, um, Bible college, if you like. Yeah. Uh, university study on that level. To become a pastor. And so I was working at a pharmacy part-time once the Rio Tinto work stopped for the final year of my study. And I remember that we had signed a contract between me and the employer, and he was a Christian as well, different denomination, that I would have certain uh, arrangements uh, working for them. And it had been changed a number of times quite subtly. And it got to a point where he wanted to end the employment. Well, I, I needed to end the employment at a certain date. Uh, it, it worked better for him to finish early. And he wanted to uh, use my entitlements to finish early. It was against the law what he was trying to do. But anyway, we had to have a discussion about this. There was a result there was a uh, impact for the employer legally if they did what they were trying to do. And I had to hold them to account. And, and it was interesting because there's also a result when we break a contract and we have to be held to account. But mm. this was interesting in that it was his side that needed to be held to account. Mm. And we were able to come to a, a, a good arrangement together, an agreement. But the interesting thing with this contract we're talking about today is God expects to be held to account. Mm. That's an interesting concept. And he, un fortunately for us, he's always going to keep his side of agreement, mm. uh, his side of the agreement anyway. And when all is said and done, when it's all finished, um, everyone in the that's affected by this contract is going to see and agree that he's done it correctly mm. and that's great um, so what's the listener question again after all of that yeah have you ever had to agree to and sign a contract if so what was the punishment for breaking it or the penalty for breaking it uh, mm. we'd love to hear from you today text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one um, for me, David, I think the one that stands in my mind is uh, a contract for building a house. And uh, mm. initially, you have to put a deposit down. And so, if you don't go ahead with the with the building project, you lose your you deposit lose money. You do. So uh, that's been my experience. But uh, I'm sure our listeners have many other experiences. We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. This is your will be done by City Alive. You will be done, my God and Father, as in heaven, so on earth. My heart is drawn to self-exalting. Help me 
You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith AM, and uh, we're talking with David Maxwell this morning on the topic of contracts. And we did ask you a question. We would love to hear from you today. And the question is, have you ever had to agree to and sign a contract? And if so, what was the penalty or the punishment for breaking it? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488880891. So, David, uh, we've been talking about contracts, and uh, I know we we know because we've been talking about it that you're going to be talking about this contract. But this one is a, a little bit different, isn't it? It's between us and God, or people and God. And yeah. uh, so, uh, let's let's start off and and dig into what you've got for us today. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So today we're going to start by looking at the nature and importance of agreements per se. Then we'll look at some biblical examples and we'll finish up by summarising why they're still important. So this is biblical ones. Why the ones that we find in the Bible or the one that we find in the Bible is important and why we should and how we should be reminded about them. So first we'll pray and then we'll read the passage that we're looking at. I'll get you to read it in the NLT this week. Um, So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you're a God who cares about us. You make agreements, you want us to keep them, and we know that you always keep yours. Please speak to us from your word today in your name. Amen. Amen. So today we're reading 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, and I'll get you to read that from the NLT. Sure. It says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Thanks, Jason. Now, if you were paying attention, you would have heard two sides to a contract or two sides to an agreement there. And Paul is is speaking on God's behalf, if you like, for his side of the agreement, but encouraging us to take up our side of the agreement. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what I want to start with is an illustration called Position Review. Um, Every year when I worked for a company called Rio Tinto, we would have a yearly position or contract review. So we would sit down. Uh, we would have a performance appraisal, so our our performance would be appraised. Now, it's interesting that the company performance was never appraised. Mm, okay. <laughs> we were talking about this in the break, that sometimes in a sinful world it's it can be one-sided. Mm. And, and they often won't appraise themselves, but we have to keep them accountable, um, often, often by the law. That's what the law is there for. But this yearly position and contract review happens so that I would know I was on track and then every year would have to re-sign. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But if I broke the agreement, there were steps that were in place to make sure I got back on track. Mm. (laughs) 
So agreements in business are quite important and they're there because it, it, they're supposed to be there so that both parties know what's expected of them. Otherwise, there can be confusion as to what's required by each. So we've just entered an arrangement where we're moving next door because we have to move from this place. And even though we got to know the people and they're Christians as well, it's very important that we distance ourselves from that friendship and put an agreement in place, a legal agreement, so that we both know what's expected. So in most businesses, um, <coughs> people often learn the hard way that the handshake method no longer works. Have you ever had that happen to you, Jason? Yeah, I guess um, some unwritten uh, unwritten. Um, <laughs> unwritten rules that, that that go with with uh, a friendship sometimes are, yeah. are broken. But yes, yeah, so where they say never mix business with friendship, so yeah, um, it can destroy a friendship. They destroy the business. Yeah, they're very good reasons for that. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So usually uh, the reason why that doesn't work, the handshake, is because there's a, a lack of an enforceable contractual arrangement. Mm. So when a business uh, agreement's put into place, it's usually formalised through a written document. And these agreements have two parts. Firstly, there's the business part. This is today in today's world. There's a business part and something that they have to do. And this part, the business usually agrees to pay the worker promptly, uphold their human rights, treat them fairly, not expect more than the contract states. And it usually outlines what will happen to the business, even if very lightly, <laughs> if it breaches its part of the agreement. But there's a lot of focus on the worker's part. So maybe if there's a dual partner arrangement, there's more focus on what each partner, what will happen to each partner if, uh, if they fail to meet the obligations in the arrangement. Mm. But uh, in the worker and, and employer's part, in the worker's part, there's an agreement that the worker will do the required hours. They'll do the work they're employed to do. They won't be doing their own work. <laughs> and I've worked somewhere where that happened. Oh, I've seen that uh, happen. Mm. Yeah, they come to work and they're doing their own programming and stuff. And I thought, what are you doing? You, know, you can't do that. Anyway, um, you do the work they're employed to do. Uh, you protect the business's reputation and information. You don't go slagging the business. And it usually outlines what will happen. More than often, it outlines what will happen to the worker if they breach any of their part of the agreement or contract. Why do we need reminding? What do you think, Jason? Well, I think um, there's a, a number of reasons. One, it makes things clear, but also um, it's uh, if it's written down, then not only is it clear, but it's also enforceable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we both need to be re reminded frequently, both the work and the worker, um, because the worker tries to get as much out of the employment as they can with doing the least amount of work and the employer will usually try and get the most out of the worker without paying as much <laughs> as they have to and that's just the way we are in a, a broken world aren't we i guess each uh, each party is trying to look after their own self-interest mm. mm. yeah they are they are so if it's not written down then it can't be enforced. Mm. And I'm suggesting that these parts are formally written down so they can be enforced. It's mm. a normal human nature to be selfish, and over time each side tries to minimise the responsibilities, don't they? Mm. Um, unless, unless what happens is there's a good working relationship between both parties is developed and 
both parties want to do more than is expected. And that sort of flows in then to the biblical agreements. This is what God wants of us, the biblical agreement. <clears throat> he wants to build a relationship so we both do more than is, is expected, and he certainly does more than his part. So in the Old Testament, there, uh, there, are this, there is this concept of an agreement, and it's called a covenant. And it's first mentioned in that word, a covenant, even though an agreement is used before this, this Hebrew word berit is first used in Genesis 6.17. And it's in the sense that God makes an agreement or a covenant with Noah. He says, I'm going to save you, but something is expected of you. You have to take your family into the ark um, and you have to bring the food and bring the animals and put them all in there. So that was the first mention of it. There is another mention after the flood. And in Genesis chapter 9, God is talking about a covenant he makes with Noah and his sons, and he mentions the word covenant seven times in nine verses. So it's serious. Mm. He, God is saying, I'm really agreeing to this, and you don't need to be afraid of another flood. Then there's one with Abram. Uh, it's a covenant of inheritance in Genesis 15, a lasting covenant in Genesis 17 with Isaac. There's another one with Israel uh, in Exodus 6 and chapter 19. And then there's also the commandments as a covenant uh, requiring obedience. Man's part in each of these covenants is simply to obey mm. and take a hold of that. Why do we need reminding about this? God always keeps his covenant. But like I said, we're sinful, we're selfish, and we often forget our commitment to him. And in the New Testament, <clears throat> we see that God's part is sending Jesus to be the fulfillment of that covenant, to send that um, deliverer that sets up everlasting inheritance, which he promises to Abraham. Man's part, as in the Old Testament, was to be obedient and Peter reminds the early church and the people in his time in Acts 3, um, 19 and 25 to 26, about what it means to stop breaking that agreement and to be obedient to God. We ob obviously need reminding, as Peter does, because, because we forget and we're selfish. The disciples ran away. We often forget. It's very, very important. Mm. So... Um We've got to go to another break shortly. Is there anything more we need to cover before we do that? Or we, we're right to go? <laughs> yeah, look, the, the covenant that's mentioned in the New Testament, I just maybe wanted to touch on this. The covenant that was mentioned um, that Peter is talking about, Paul is talking about, it's actually the same covenant as the one that's given to Abraham. It points to Jesus as the evidence of God fulfilling it. Um, he promises, God promises that one is going to come to bring in everlasting righteousness. We'll talk about that after the break. Um, and he comes through the line of, um, the line of Abraham, Isaac, and that sort of thing. But the person of Jesus is the one fulfilling God's side of the covenant mm. agreement. But we have to talk about that after the break. Mm. And we were talking about this before we went to air, wasn't it? That uh, really the covenant mm. uh, is is the same in the old and the new, uh, and Jesus yeah, was yeah. the fulfilment of that. So. Okay, let's uh, go to our break. And uh, just a reminder, we've got a book offer coming up. It's called Messiah, and it's excerpts from Messiah, the contemporary adaptation of The, the Desire of Ages. But right now, this is Yes, I Will by Anthem Lights. Mm. 
I count on one thing The same God who never fails Will not fail me now Will not fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out Is working all things out Yes, I will lift you high In the lowest valley Yes, I will bless your This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. I forgot about that promo, <laughs> but you are listening to Tassie Encounters and we're speaking with David Maxwell today and uh, we've been talking about contracts. And uh, before the break, um, David, we were saying that this uh, contract um, that was given to Abraham and even Noah before that um, sort of extends through into the New Testament as well, even mm. though even mm. though it seems as though some parts of it's changed, because we talk about the old covenant and the new covenant, but uh, in principle, we still have this uh, contract. Yes, that's right, Jason. So we'll unpack this, and then we'll come back and we'll do a wrap. So don't finish before 
don't leave before we finish because we want to wrap it all up together to give it a little bit more understanding. So, yes, I, I said that before the break, God promised Abraham that the promised one would come and he provides a lasting agreement. And, and, and this promised one would provide a lasting agreement between God and man for all time. And he would come through the line of Abraham's son Isaac. And in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, he fulfilled that side of the agreement. Um, we've also talked about already uh, in this series on how he did that. We talked about the life of death and resurrection of Jesus. But let's rec- recap just for those who might not have heard it. Uh, when I was working for Rio Tinto many years ago, I went through a number of amalgamations within the company. And each time we did, a new agreement was written up that we were required to read, accept and agree and abide by. Why did we have to agree to a new one? because the old one had become obsolete. It was with a different business group. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for God's agreement. The essence of the first agreement is that God said that if Abraham and his descendants remained obedient to God, they would remain recipients of his promise. Now, part of this is a high focus on obedience to God's laws. Why? Because in that agreement... They were representing God to the rest of the nations around. Mm. And if you're representing God, you have to be the best example of that to everyone else. So they had a high focus on obedience, obedience, obedience to the law to represent God. But when they made a mistake and they fell short of that, they still needed to bring a sacrifice of the lamb to point to the one who reconnects us. I don't know if that is clear, but we repeat it in different ways as we continue through. Mm. The promise was not just the special heir would come, but that he would, as Daniel puts it, bring in everlasting righteousness or everlasting reconnection to God. How does Jesus actually do this? It's something that Jesus achieved when he died as our substitute. So we are born separated from God. And we can never, through the things we do, reconnect ourselves to God. This is illustrated when Jesus is talking about the law and the permanence of the law in Matthew chapter 5. And at the end of it, he says, if... I'm going to paraphrase it here. If you want to do it on your own, you have to be more righteous than the Pharisees. Now, they used to keep over 600 laws, and they would do it well on the outside. But as Jesus goes on to explain in the chapter, they weren't doing too good in their mind. So it's almost like, I won't kill that person, but I will have nothing more to do with them, and I'll malign their character, and I'll do everything else except kill them. Mm. And Jesus said to them, well, you've already done it. Mm. You know, So he made it really clear. He, he raised the bar. Jesus really raised the bar another level. <laughs> he raised the bar. He says, if you want to be perfect before God and get back to God, do you have to do all of these things? And he basically said, it's impossible. Mm. So <clears throat> as we've read before, um, Jesus had to be our substitute. And he died and he takes out sins. Now, I want to read about the depth of what he does. Paul, um, who was a devout Jew, sums up very, very well. He was a devout um, Pharisee. He sums up very well in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 how God does this. So I'm going to read New King James, the version, uh, the, the, the verses we read earlier. He says in verses... Uh, 
18 to 21 and the first part of 21. He says, therefore, um, sorry, 18, yes, 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. God has done this through Jesus Christ. And then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or putting their trespasses on them. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on God's behalf, or Christ's behalf, to be reconciled to God. For he, that's God, made him, that's Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us. I'm going to stop there for the moment. So in these verses here, when we... (laughs) When we look at John 3.16, we see, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should have everlasting life. And when we look at that, we actually see in the verse before, in a couple of verses before, John (coughs) 3.14, as it's constantly repeated, that we connect by belief to God through what Jesus has done. We see an illustration that Jesus highlights in John uh, 3.14 that points back to uh, an issue in the desert. Now, we talked about this once before, about the snakes coming in, the poisonous snakes, and biting people in Numbers 21, and Moses being told to save them, put a snake on a pole, carry it through the camp. And the people didn't have to help you with the snake. They didn't have to do any work at all. All they had to do was look at the snake and believe that God would save them, and he did. And Jesus draws this parallel between what he's going to do, be lifted up on a pole, and all we have to do is look and believe that he can save us, Mm. and he does. Mm. And so the snake on the pole represents the depth, the depth of what Jesus did. So in the lead up to his death, Jesus takes on the sins of the whole world, which is why it's a snake, it represents sin, and then he takes the penalty for that as well, which is death. And as he dies, his death on the cross, that death atones or pays the price for man's separation, man's sin. And it opens the way for mankind to be reconnected to God forever. But we'll touch on that just a little bit more before we finish at the end. Hmm. Then I want to continue reading. You want to say something? No, that's all right. You keep going. I want to say something about the end of this verse. So he says, For he made him, this is verse 21, he made him, God, um, God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. So he takes the sin away and it goes on Jesus. So it's no longer with us, it's with Jesus. And then it goes on and it says, That we might become the righteousness of God in him or through him. So as I mentioned um, about the snake incident, the snake incident, God took away their sin. And man's part of the agreement is simply to obey, to believe and accept that act has personally applied to me. And when we do, because Jesus took our sin and paid the price for it, we don't have to. Mm. Um, Because he's taken it away. It no longer remains with us when we give it to him. So, literally, if you look at sin as a physical thing, it goes off us, it goes on Jesus, and Jesus is the one now who did it, and so he pays the price. So, if Jesus pays the price for that thing that was taken away from us, what have we got left? Nothing. Mm. We don't have it. Mm. And then, as the verse states, this allows us 
to become the righteousness of God in or through him. Mm. So really there's there's still um, a covenant, there's still a contract in place, but the, the terms of that contract have changed. What we need to do is different, and as you said, um, with the model of the, the snake and looking up mm. to it, Jesus says in John 3.16 that we need to believe in Jesus and what he's done for us. Correct, and and you're right in saying it's a, it's a, the same covenant because mm. the covenant with God and man is that God will provide the air and the air will rejoin us to God. Mm. But man's part in that before Christ was to reflect God through their obedience and provide the avenue for him to come. Mm. Man's place after the agreement is now the perfect person has been shown, the perfect representation of God's law has been shown. We don't have to anymore represent God to the to the world because Jesus has come and he is the representation of God to the world but we still have an agreement together God and us and we still have to choose to be part of that agreement so that's why it's called an old covenant and a new covenant because men have something different to do mm. Mm. but more about that after the break it's <laughs> it's making sense so that's good our, good our book offer today it's called messiah and uh, excerpts from the from messiah the contemporary adaptation of the desire of ages and this is uh, written by jerry d thomas it's uh, selections from the Messiah that take the reader from jesus birth early life and ministry to the closing scenes of his life on earth it's a great way to introduce jesus to friends family and neighbours. If this is a, a book you haven't got, you can use this to share with people. Excellent for evangelistic meetings and sharing, you know, whoever is maybe you have a small group in your home and you like to share with other people. Thomas's friendly style amplifies the beautiful message of this devotional classic making the sublime themes of the original easier to grasp. The stories and teachings that thrilled the simple country folk of Galilee can touch our hearts also. Like its predecessor, this book is sure to leave its mark on uh, future generations because of one thing. It lifts up the man who kept the promise and changed the world. Now, that's exactly what we've been talking about, David. And uh, after the break, we'll continue um, your topic. But right now, this is Live For You. And, of course, after the break, we'll give you the code to claim this book as well. This is True Vibe with Live For You.
from the debt I had to pay. So now I want to tell the world the difference you have made. You have changed the way I live and love and made my heart brand new. Now that we are joined together, I know I'm nothing without you. And now that I know the truth that you proclaim, I will keep trusting you to fill me up till only you remain. And I will not rest until my every word brings glory to your Listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and uh, we promised you a book giveaway before the break. And uh, so, today's book giveaway is very much related to the topic that we're talking about with David. It's uh, talking about what Jesus did to fulfill his side of the contract, I guess, isn't it, David? And uh, it's called Messiah, excerpts from Messiah, the contemporary adaptation of Desire of Ages. And our code today is a listen and number 11, L-I-S-T-E-N-1-1. Text that in to 0488-880-891 to claim this book. And it's a little book. It's easy uh, to read and easy to share with others as well. So... Now, David, um, we've been talking about this contract and how it really uh, extends through. There's been some changes to the the agreement conditions. and the contract and the conditions, Ooh. Um, Ooh. and uh, particularly on our side as to what is required of us. So Ooh. would you like to just uh, finish off our program today and, and um, explain that in a bit more detail? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, let me help to explain this agreement by... Uh, sharing another illustration, so I'm, I'm calling this one the continuing agreement. With the examples I've been sharing about my commercial work contracts with Rio Tinto, each year that they remained in place, I needed to review and re-sign uh, re that agreement. And it showed that I still agreed to, uh, to and acknowledged what they either wanted from me or what I was um, overlooking, and I was keeping them true to the agreement. So too with the new agreement, and I put that in inverted commas, that Jesus puts in place by fulfilling the requirements of God's law, taking our sin and dying in our place, he has fulfilled his part of the Abrahamic covenant, that's the covenant that, was, that God made with Abraham, by providing the way, by firstly coming and providing the way for us to be reconnected to God. But now the way is open as I said before the break, we no longer have to show to the world what a perfect God looks like, whereas before the Israelites needed to do that so that people would be drawn to God. They weren't saved through those, those, uh, those works they did, the obedience that they, that, they, that they tried to show the world. They weren't saved through that. They were still saved through the sacrifice because as they fell short, 
they still had to bring the lamb, and, and the lamb represented Jesus. And everything they were doing, anyway, all of all of the uh, the Old Testament uh, ceremonial laws were really pointing to what Christ was going to do, anyway, wasn't it? Correct. So he comes and he lives the law, mm. and then as we look to Jesus now. We accept that he has come, that he has died. So we don't have to do all the laws to show everybody what God is like. Mm. Jesus is what God is like. Mm. And just like they obeyed it, they were meant to. Uh, remember earlier I said, I remember earlier I said that when both parties come to a relationship with each other, they do more than is required by the covenant. Mm. Right, by yep. the agreement. Yep. So God does more. He He helps us to live like He wants us to, and we do more. We obey because He's done what He has, and so we want to make Him happy. We want to please Him. That behavior doesn't make us any more right with God, but we do that behavior because we are now right with God. And this new in this new agreement that Jesus puts in place, he not just makes the way open, but he wants to make us more like him. Mm. And this new, in this new arrangement, God said that he will make us the righteousness of God in or through him. And our part of the agreement is to come to him, believe he will do what he says, and accept him into our lives. We must also allow him to then change us so that we can become that promised righteousness. Because the contract started when Adam sinned, and it ends when we're reconnected with God, when he comes. That, that's the length of the contract. Mm. But there were different things people needed to do, and you can see this through the way he makes different covenants with different people throughout the Bible, as I mentioned right at the beginning. So how are we reminded? How how are we continually reminded this, about this agreement? We keep it in the front of our minds. There were a number of ways the Israelites continually showed they were happy to remain part of the agreement. One of them was through circumcision. They were willingly wanting to be God's people to do this. And another was through the Passover, which showed their agreement in accepting this symbol of Jesus coming as the sacrificial substitute. Now, that's being completed when Jesus died on the cross. So that's why we don't have to do the Passover anymore. Mm. Circumcision symbolized our part in the agreement to be willing to be his people and obey him. And there was quite a dispute in Acts 15 about whether this ritual needed to continue because then after the, the Jewish people who were converted were converted, the people they were reaching out to were non-Jews, Gentiles. Mm. Some of them were saying, well, they need, they need that, uh, that, that physical sign as well. Because and the church previously in the Old Testament, <coughs> if somebody wanted to convert to Judaism, they had to do that, didn't they? They had to do that. Yeah. That's right. But the Christian church ended up agreeing that that physical thing was not necessary because what it symbolised was a change of heart, mm. um, as Paul says, a circumcision of your heart. So Jesus implements another symbol to show outwardly to everyone that we're taking part in the agreement between God and man in this Last Supper with his followers. And as he does it, he washes their feet as a lesson in humility. He says this is important to be humble. Then he gives them the bread and the juice and he says, do this often. 
And why? Because if we don't, we're likely to forget. Mm. Forget that it's God who provided everything we needed for the covenant, and he's promised to restore us when we come to him. Mm. So I bring you back to the opening illustration about contractual reviews. Just like I, I, I had to have a constant review with my business contractual arrangements to make sure I was staying on track, on track so too we need to keep god's contract agreement or covenant whatever you want to call it frequently in front of us so that we can remember that we have agreed to do our part in letting him make us that righteous thing that he's promised to and so we have this ongoing arrangement we have this ongoing covenant that started from adam and eve goes until jesus comes the requirements for the people agreeing to the contract were different before Christ came than they are after Christ came, but it's the same agreement. It's how do we be reconnected to God? Mm. So today we accept what he's done already and then we allow him to change us. And as we allow him to change us, we start to become more like him, that righteous thing he wants us to be. But he's doing the work. Mm. Um, I hope I've made that really clear. Has that been sort of clear for you, Jason? Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, I think the the key thing here is that uh, our part is to look to Jesus and to be constantly, mm. regularly, daily looking to him. And mm. uh, it's, it's not done through um, our physical works and we're not mm. saved. And as you said, you made it clear earlier that even the uh, the Old Testament covenant and the Jews were not saved by the laws that they were keeping because mm. that was all pointing to Christ who was actually the person who was saving them. So That's it. Yeah, so I think it's clear to me. My final comment is, have you entered into that agreement with him yet? Mm. This is to our listeners. If not, please get in touch with, with us today so we can help you with information and people that might point you in the right direction to help you be able to do it today. Mm. You can text us in on our show number and uh, we can certainly put you in touch if you want to know more or study more in depth. Just a shout out to David from Western Australia. He's texted us in to say hello and uh, the fact that he's looking forward to meeting a few of our other presenters. I think Lyle Southwell's over in that direction and uh, a Ooh. couple of other people. So thanks for texting in, David, and uh, saying hello to us this morning. Uh, if you haven't got the book offer, Listen 11. It's a beautiful book. It's a small one, easy to share. Um, Listen 11. Text it in to 048880891. David, what have you got for us next week? So next week we're going to look at that the way God makes us that righteous thing and how he empowers us to live the way he wants us to. And it's called Empowered. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to that. And uh, as far as our live programs go, next Wednesday, back with David Leo, and he'll be talking about marriage, part two. The two become one, and uh, it's a great discussion, and uh, we hope you can join us. God is listening. Are you? Uh, God is speaking. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. May you encounter Jesus more. This is Ellie Holcomb. Oh, 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 oh. My heart is steadfast, oh God I'll sing praises up to thee among the nations
sings to thee, O Lord, among the people. I'll sing praises up to thee within my soul. For thy loving kindness is great above heavens. Thy truth it reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above heavens, and thy glory over all the earth. That those you love may be delivered, save with thy right hand and answer. Save with that. 